0: Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, San Francisco 49ers Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. It is a great day to be great, and I love talking football, especially when it's with my guy, Director of Analytics over here at Fantasy Life, the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, talking 49ers, we have knocked out freaking 24 of these at this point, eight more to go, and a pretty good one on tap today, my friend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The 49ers are 100% loaded on offense. The only question we have is, is there enough to go around? That's always the big question with this
0: offense. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, renowned as one of the top play callers in the league. And accordingly, we have seen all sorts of fantasy-friendly assets come out of the offense ever since he did come into town back in 2017. So as always in these episodes, guys, going to go through a bit some of the, you know, just off-season changes across the fantasy-relevant positions before we get into the nitty-gritty with all the fantasy-relevant players. So appreciate you guys tuning in as always. And with and with that, Dwayne, let's get after it. One of the things in our Always great sound check processes, and we have to get animated. That kind of pissed you off, Dwayne, was just the idea that, again, we got Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, receiving McCaffrey, but we still need to look at this offense and know that they are going to be among the league's most run-heavy offenses. In 2017, the first year Shanahan was there, they were actually 13th in pass rate, over expected, but over these past five years, 25th, 29th, 27th, 31st, and 22nd. Look, I fully realize that the Shanahan family, who pretty much invented the idea that running backs don't matter, and that you can replace them with, you know, cheap guys at the end of the draft, or even undrafted guys. Like, look, they know what they're doing, Dwayne, but at least in terms of fantasy land, where we would just really prefer them to be throwing the ball around the yard a bit more often, I have a really hard time believing this team is going to be anything other than run heavy, again, in 2023, which is great for McCaffrey, but just in terms of expecting multiple high-end, consistent fantasy options to come out of the passing game, might be wishful thinking.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um I think that Shanahan might eventually, you know, throw the ball more if he thought he had the quarterback he could trust. I think we just have too many questions there. I know we'll break down the quarterback room, you know, as far as fantasy, you know, in just a second, but like at the high level, you know, Trey Lance, massive unknowns, like if we've got the super small sample size, we've got Brock Purdy who came on and played really good down the stretch last season. Um, you know, got the injury. So we're not sure when he will be ready. You know, he seems to be trending in the right direction. All the fantasy Twitter uh, experts that you and I love to follow seem to be really positive about where Brock Purdy is um, from a standpoint of all the boxes we want to see him check to be ready for the season. Um, But I feel like we might be a year away, right? From him really being like, okay, Purdy did it again. Now let's open this thing up. Um, Having said that, we did see Mike McDaniel go down to Miami, and it wasn't like Tua Tagovailoa had really been like some elite quarterback, and they decided to open it up. It's the same exact offense, um, except rather than actually handing the ball off as much, they just you know drop back and pass more. They still use play action, still use all the same kind of concepts, and guess what? It's kind of funny how that works. A linebacker, Ian, you know, former linebacker, the defenders still have to take a step they still have to react to play action because they all have a gap they all have an assignment that they're accountable for on a run play and it doesn't matter if a team runs the ball 30% of the time or they run the ball 60% of the time they still have to be assignment sound so I think it's something that I would love to eventually see the 49ers do maybe maybe if we get lucky by midseason this year if Purdy's looking really good and he's keeping things going and he's healthy maybe they open it up a little bit more I think the worst case scenario for all the weapons. And this isn't anything bad against the player. Like we love Trey Lance. He would be great for fantasy on his own. But as far as for the rest of the 49ers weapons, he would be kind of the, the kiss of death yeah. because once you have that running quarterback, you enable Shanahan to say, fine, I'm not even going to drop back to throw the ball half the time. Like I'm going to actually run the ball more than I'm going to throw the ball. Um, At least with Purdy, you know, he's going to be conservative, but you still drop back the pass 55, 56% of the time. If it's Trey Lance, It might be like 48, 49 percent, kind of like something we saw last year with the Bears, something we saw with the Falcons.
0: Credit to Shanahan for having to start all three of those quarterbacks, including Jimmy Garoppolo last year and still managing to get the six most points scored out of any NFL team. I will say, Dwayne, you know, it's one of these tweets that I just add another year to the row and recycle every single year. But it is surprising with Shanahan, the fact that he has been running offenses in the NFL since 2008, either as a head coach or an offensive coordinator. And in that spam, only, you know, quote unquote, only five top 10 scoring units. So last year, again, he did get the sixth ranked offense before that 13th. 21st, second in 2019, 21st and 20th during his time in San Fran. So I do think that when you look at, again, some of the quarterback injuries he had to deal with, you know, it could be more of a stat reflective on that, but just will say, again, I think it's probably more so the fact that it is as run heavy as it is and they also don't make a habit a lot of times of moving with a bunch of uh, pace. It can be a beautiful offense to watch sometimes and I understand why, you know, the quote unquote real football analysts out there have such a fun time breaking it down, but in terms of raw points scored in land. Dwayne, maybe not, again, quite as friendly of an offense as you would otherwise think, just based on the raw talent in there. And it will be most of the raw talent that was in there last year because really the only major change was Jimmy Garoppolo taking his talents to the Raiders. And we did have Sam Darnold come in, Dwayne, apparently throwing his hat in the quarterback competition as well. But with that, let's get right into it because, again, during the draft, Cameron Latu was the team's only uh, fancy relevant selection inside the top three rounds if you don't count kickers, which I do not. With that, Dwayne, Purdy, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, really seems like all signs are pointing towards Purdy, Purdy, and that's been the case throughout (laughs) the uh, offseason. Yeah, that was a tricky one. Uh, John Lynch, back in March, I believe, called Purdy the leader in the clubhouse, and that has, you know, continued to be his statement throughout the offseason. He can actually be cleared by August 21st for a full return, and to your point... I have been really tuned in to what some of these doctors we follow mostly on Twitter. Jeff Mueller's a great one, Edwin Porras, you know, amongst many other ones. And basically, like, the common sentiment that I've found is that Purdy needed to have a good, clean, on schedule, full recovery in order to be ready by week one. And to this point, he's had exactly that. I'm fully expecting Brock Purdy, Dwayne, to be the starter once he is healthy enough to do so. And it's more and more looking like week one is going to be that time.
1: Yeah, I have Brock Purdy projected to play 13 games um, this season. So I'm giving a little bit of leeway right at the at the beginning of the season. Um, and obviously, like typically I'll take one game off of everybody, even quarterbacks. Um, so the max I'll project for someone is 16. So three games, you know, there that I'm I'm giving away to to someone else more than what I normally would. I've got three going to lands and then one going to Sam Darnold, you know, wait. It's hard to predict, like, if Purdy isn't playing, like, who will it be, Lance or Darnold? I would still put my chip, you know, on Trey Lance, but I'm with you. I, I feel like once Purdy's ready, whenever that is, like, it is going to be his job. And, um, you know, from there on, assuming he stays healthy.
0: But that in mind, man, it was hard not to be impressed with what he did last year. And I get it, guys. We can look at the Shanahan offense for years and just not be that impressed with what the quarterback has been asked to do there. When you got Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, you don't have to ask the quarterback to do that much. But if you do dig into the film just a little bit, Dwayne, look. Not consistent flashes, I will say, but there are some plays on film, one in particular against the Seahawks in that wildcard game that actually feature Purdy creating out of structure, making a couple guys miss in the backfield, then having a touchdown drop by Ayuk, unfortunately, in the corner of the end zone. So he's not someone that's going to go out there and give us anything close to what Trey Lance can as a rusher. I mean, the entire time he was under center, 29 carries, 37 rushing yards and two touchdowns. That said, he is a little bit more mobile, especially at just creating more time in the pocket than someone like Jim. And Garoppolo, And at the end of the day, fifth in EPA per drop back, third in yards per attempt, third in PFF passing grade, eighth in adjusted completion rate. Like it's a small sample, Dwayne, but I would much rather have the quarterback be really good in a small sample versus really bad. And even if we can look at the yards per attempt, which are hilariously, you know, pretty much equal to Patrick Mahomes. I don't think anyone is going to say that Brock Purdy can hold a candle to anything Patrick Mahomes can do out there. But Dwayne, in fantasy, all the passing yards, all those points, they all count the same regardless of the flair. And I am once again expecting Purdy to work pretty efficiently in this offense. That said, with all that efficiency last year, he ripped off QB 8, 15, 13, 11, and QB 5 overall fantasy finishes. Where do you see yourself ranking him once he actually is ready to go? Because as far as it is right now in the ranks, man, pretty much free at the end of drafts. Yeah,
1: and I like getting him, you know, for free at the end of drafts. But I think once he's ready to go and he's locked in, he'll be that mid-range QB2. He's going to have spike weeks where he gets into the QB1 conversation. But really, for us to see his, you know, his value, like, really stabilize where we feel good about it, you know, we would need the 49ers to open things up a little bit. Now it's going to be an efficient offense and every once in a while you can get from this Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, and really Shanahan, you got to go back to, to, to Papa Shanahan, right? Mike Shanahan. Then you got Kyle, you got Gary Kubiak. You've got, uh, you know, right now there's several other teams like running offshoots of this, right? The jets are running an offshoot, you know, of this offense. Um, you also have, uh, who the Browns, right? The Browns are running kind of an offshoot offshoot of this offense. And you will see occasionally, like a quarterback just come through with a huge efficiency season. We saw it one year with Matt Ryan in Atlanta under Kyle Shanahan. Nobody expected that. to, a, Matt to Ryan a last to be, year. Yeah, Tua last year. If you get the right weapons around them. So there's going to be spike week opportunity and there could and there can be a such a thing as spike season, right? I mean, you just kind of get things rolling. And with Purdy, the thing I'll say, most of these numbers seem like they should regress. I mean, he threw a touchdown on 7.6% of his attempts. Like if you're at a five to six percent, that's really good. And typically the most I'll project for anyone is like five and a half. I'll project six percent for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. But most people, you're projecting like four and a half, four point eight, five percent, like somewhere in there. So I brought it down, but just noting that like there is the upside there. He's he also, you know, you mentioned the yards per attempt 8.1, but that's something we've seen historically from quarterbacks that are operating at a high level inside this offense because they use so much play action. Um, defenses are so worried about the run game. You've got these playmakers that can add on after the catch, like Debo Debo. I mean, Debo's a cheat code for quarterbacks because essentially you're targeting him three to four yards down the field and he's tacking on another eight to nine every time. So you're just getting free yardage stacked on, on top for your, For your yards per attempt so while some of those things you're like oh they just have to regress, have to regress have to regress this is the kind of offense that has shown from time to time to actually be able to to enable a quarterback to do that for a full season when we wouldn't expect
0: that to be to be the case so there is some upside with purdy once he's ready i think he's right there alongside matthew stafford as I don't want to say the most mispriced quarterbacks because, again, right now going quarterback 25 over underdog fantasy, it's not egregious. But I do think, to kind of to your original point about being in that QB2 tier, that we could see him up inside the top 20 next to guys like Derek Carr, like Jared Goff, once we for sure know he is going to be out there. So, no, haven't been waiting for Purdy to be my first quarterback drafted or anything like that out there. But as someone that has drafted arguably entirely too much, Brandon Ayuk, very, very happy to have a chance to go ahead and add that stacking partner late in these drafts drafts and i think it's another example Dwayne, where once we are kind of we're never out of the best ball mindset don't get me wrong but once we are you know looking more into redraft land where we maybe don't need to be worrying as much about you know getting two three quarterbacks per draft out there man i want again one of those aliens at the top if we can get our justin fields or lamar jackson's you know at a good value like i'll take that but really, man, if these ADPs are going to hold and we can get a Stafford or a Purdy, like literally in the final two rounds versus trying to use more of a middle round pick on guys like Jared Goff, guys like Geno Smith and Kirk Cousins. I think the late round QB phase, Dwayne, could really be here in a nice way here once the redraft land really starts hitting.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and for best ball, like it just depends on how much draft capital you've spent. You know, if yeah. you did take one of the aliens up top, it is nice to know that maybe you don't need to st- to tack on your second one in the Jared Goff range, right? You can wait and you could talk about a guy like Russell Wilson, or you could come back to a staffer, or you could come back to a Purdy. Um, and if you wait at quarterback and let's say, you know, you're setting some things up and it just doesn't work out early for whatever reason, because it happens in drafts where the quarterbacks you wanted, they just all go early. And so you're pivoting to other positions. You're building out your roster in a different way. You know, Purdy as your third quarterback, right? If you're not spending high draft capital, say your first quarterback you take is someone in the, in the Jared Goff, Russell Wilson type range. Well, when I do that, a lot of times I'll build with three quarterbacks, but I want to try to stack all of them in best ball. Obviously, over on, you know, in redraft, Purdy will be someone that's probably sitting on the free agent wire come week one. Um, But he is a guy that, you know, if we, we see him get out there and start, we see that he's hot, you're dealing with a quarterback injury or you're just dealing with someone on your team that you're not happy about where they are. I'm sure he will be a name that we will be talking about as far as waiver wire pickups.
0: In the backfield, we do have Christian McCaffrey leading the way behind him, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason, and oh yeah, Round three, running back from last year, Terrian Davis Price, just getting all sorts of run here, Dwayne. That was an awesome uh, pick there. <laughs> definitely didn't, definitely didn't blow a ton of late round picks last year on TDP. Not still mad about that. Anyway, focusing on the star of the show, CMC himself, the all time leader in PPR points per game among any running back to ever play the game. So he'll only be 27 by the time this season goes around. Dwayne, nothing about McCaffrey's performance in 2022 made him look like you know anything other than what we've seen him be his entire career again literally the greatest fantasy running back here ever since he's come into the league keeps it up maybe freaking ever I mean my god even that Eagles game that touchdown he was able to score when they didn't even have a quarterback with all due respect to Josh Johnson who could throw a forward pass still breaking five tackles and finding his way into the end zone so great stuff from McCaffrey last year of course Dwayne You know, when you're in this offense, he scores 13 total touchdowns in 14 games. Maybe that could actually overshadow what was a pretty severe role reduction when CMC and Elijah Mitchell were healthy. So I want to be clear. We are talking about CMC relative to, again, the ridiculous just relative expectations we have for him. This is a guy that's regularly been in the running for the overall 101 pick. Dwayne, both of us still have Christian McCaffrey as our overall RB1, but there's enough concern here with the usage to I think for the first time here in the last couple of years, warrant drafting wide receivers ahead of McCaffrey in the first few overall picks of the draft.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, the big question I have, you know, for McCaffrey, and it is not ability. Ability is fine. Like uh, you know, you look at him in the passing game; he's an alien. He's from another planet. He does things that really no other running back can do. Like you can argue argue Eckler is the one that's right there with him. Um, Camara maybe a couple of years ago, but the version we have of Camara today is not quite at the same level as McCaffrey. So he truly is a, a rarity from a talent perspective. But the biggest question really comes back to the fact that what's going to happen with him and Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell last year really was a factor. And if you look at the splits in the games, once you had McCaffrey there with the 49ers, when Mitchell was available versus when he wasn't, it's a huge difference, Ian. And, and again, it's not bad, but it's to your point, the our our expectations right from McCaffrey when we're drafting him um you know we want those 25 and 30 point outputs i mean he Be has the nice. ability to 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 dominate all running backs and separate even from the other very best options but with Elijah Mitchell fantasy points per game 16.7 versus 24.9 rushing attempt share 34% in in games with Elijah Mitchell available 59% in games when Mitchell was not Route participation was still fine. He's going to be out there on passing down 76% versus 80%. So so no real impact there. But then the short down and distance snaps, there was an impact. So your short yardage stuff, which translates also over to the carries inside the five yard line, only 43% for McCaffrey when Mitchell was active versus 68% when he wasn't. So basically when Mitchell wasn't around, it was the CMC we've always loved. When Mitchell was around, he does seem to be a guy that the 49ers like enough that they want to have him involved. Now, I don't know if another back like Tyrion Davis-Price or Jordan Mason or any of these other guys can be good enough to step into that kind of role because the big thing that, you know, with Mitchell, like when you post something like this on Twitter, the first response I get is, great, Elijah Mitchell, he'll be available three games. So I get Christian McCaffrey, you know, 100% all the rest of the time. Well, it doesn't work quite that easily, but yeah, I think there are some doubts. I mean, Mitchell's battling an injury now, um, as of like last week, so... He's definitely got a long injury history. Maybe that's something that frees things up for McCaffrey. He's still worth that first round pick. I just haven't been taking him over Cooper Cobb. I'm just not taking him over Tyreek Hill. So typically the only time I get McCaffrey is if I'm picking it like pick six or seven and everybody else makes the same decision, right? And he just slides down to me. Now, it could be a decision that I regret. I will admit like, and this is something we always like to talk about. You look at certain decisions, you say, could this really cost me the league? Uh, there's a chance because if McCaffrey does get the full-time role, he's going to score 25 to 30 points per game. Right. I, I just not, I'm just not super confident he's going to get that role. And so to me that puts him in the same tier as Austin Eckler really. And I can get Eckler at the end of round one, you know, so I, I struggle a little bit with McCaffrey, but I do acknowledge that it could absolutely burn me. I probably need to ramp some exposure up.
0: Jefferson chase cup, Tyreek, are those the only four guys you're taking ahead of McCaffrey? Would you slide Kelsey in that group as well?
1: I slide Kelsey in too, just because it's such a huge positional advantage. Yeah. I've taken Kelsey. And the nice thing about taking Kelsey down there um in best ball land is that's the one chance you get. You you let Mahomes go by in round two, and sometimes he will fall back to you in round three. If you're getting Kelsey at, at pick eight or nine, rarely, like very, very, very rarely, do you ever get Mahomes coming back because he's the top quarterback in ADP? It's still like pick 21. So if you want to have a shot at pairing Kelsey and Mahomes without spending the second round pick on your quarterback, you got to take some shots at drafting Kelsey up at the top of round one uh, to give you a shot.
0: The RB one. And for what it's worth, I did a poll on Saturday night. Love asking this question every year, Dwayne. You know, who would Earth's RB1 be if aliens invaded the planet and forced us to play one game of football to defend the human freaking race? And 46% of 20,000 votes did say Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, and Nick Chubb came in second and third in that fun little poll there. So, yep, no one's debating that there should be any running back drafted ahead of Christian McCaffrey. That said, there are enough wide receivers in the year 2023 with just ridiculous vol- enough reason for us to bump CMC just a little bit further down the ranks relative to all positions out there. Speaking of Elijah Mitchell though, Dwayne, he is someone going off the board RB 41 right now in early ADP. Yes, things will shake out as we get closer to August and things of that nature. But right now, man, that's after the top 16 QBs after the top 55 wide receivers and after the top 10 tight ends are usually off the board. And I found myself buying a good amount. This is a guy that ripped off six top 15 finishes and 11 regular season performances back in 2021 and made you know pretty much as good a use out of his touches last year as McCaffrey did both of them averaged 4.9 yards per carry with the 49ers now you can look at any advanced stat and that'll tell you that CMC was the much better rusher I am not denying that but hey not everyone can be as good as Christian McCaffrey Elijah Mitchell we've still seen enough out of the guy to know he's pretty damn good in his own right and again just where he's going in drafts especially if you've only managed to get you know two or three running backs on your squad by this point I can think of a lot worse late round darts to throw than one at Elijah Mitchell
1: yeah I think you're gonna get somewhere between seven and ten touches per game out of out of a, a running back that's very explosive that plays in a good offense Um, You know, he gets some of those short yardage carries um, that he steals from McCaffrey. So that always gives him an opportunity. He's also a big play threat. So you could literally run into a season where Mitchell's only getting eight, nine touches a game, but still gives you kind of an RB three season, you know, um, just on big plays and touchdowns and all those sort of things. So I I really like him. I think there's also, you have that contingency value if something does happen to McCaffrey, right? This is a brutal sport that we're talking about. And it doesn't necessarily mean like McCaffrey gone for the season. It could just be three games where it's Mitchell handling the main duties because McCaffrey's out. Um, The biggest question with Mitchell really is just his durability. You know, we don't know. We haven't seen him play a full season. We can't sit here and say that he won't because a lot of times with injuries, it's like, okay, it's a problem until it's not. Like we've just seen too many players where that works out. But I will say he has a lot of this weird soft tissue stuff. He's had a lot of knee problems. So my, I do have a level of concern with Mitchell. I mean, I've got him projected at 15 games. I'm maybe I should make that like 14 or 13, but I still think everything I said stands true. He could give you stretches. um, If McCaffrey's gone, where he gives you RB one performances. And even without that in this offense, like he could still give you weeks that are very usable, especially, you know, in best ball formats.
0: It is one thing after another shout out to uh, a I love their injury history tool but yeah, yeah right. since September of 2021 shoulder chest and rib injuries fractured finger concussion knee patella sprain hamstring pull you know no, two more freaking MCL sprains out there unfortunately just hasn't been able to be that healthy but to your original point Dwayne when he has been healthy certainly been someone explosive with his opportunities let's talk about another guy who exactly I wasn't exactly you know at full health last season he admitted that one Debo Samuel leading off our discussion here with the wide receivers because what sucked for Debo last year, Dwayne, was his role didn't really die that much. I mean, if you look at what he was able to do in 2021, he averaged 15 expected PPR points per game in 2021. That was good for wide receiver 14 status last year. It dropped to 13 and a half, which was good for wide receiver 21 status. The difference was in 2021, he scored 98 and a half PPR points above expectation by far the best of any player in the league last year, actually minus 2.9 fantasy points below expectation. So, Debo last year, more or less, did what he was supposed to do with his opportunities. And when they're that scheme to him and he is that good of a player, you still got someone that was able to, you know, finish as a wide receiver 28 on a per game basis. But Dwayne, obviously we didn't draft him to be a wide receiver three. We drafted him to be a wide receiver one. Wasn't quite able to get there. This is a tough situation because everyone in this offense is so good and we understand that. But there is only one football to go around. Do you feel confident, Dwayne, prioritizing someone like Debo Samuel in the third round where, yes, we understand he is incredibly talented, but when you start looking at the guys going next to him, are we positive that Debo is so much more talented than guys like Amari Cooper, Christian Watson, Jerry Judy, Drake London, Calvin Ridley? Is he so much more talented than them that we can sacrifice, you know, potentially 30, even 40 fewer targets over the course of an entire season?
1: Yeah, I think it's really tough but he does pick up the carries, you know, so, I mean, he makes up for some of that, but we would, we would obviously in PPR and half PPR, we were, we prefer those receptions, right? Cause those are just nice, easy points that we want to accumulate over the course of the season. Um, but with Samuel, you know, you hit on a couple of these things. Um, amazingly, like his 23% target per route run, like it was only one percentage point below 2022 and it's <laughs> with him battling these injuries, The other thing is once McCaffrey came to the team, his rushing attempts per game didn't change. It was still 3.3 after CMC was added. So I I thought that was important to see that he's still getting those carries in the run game despite the arrival of CMC. And and that's the other component as to why you're seeing CMC's numbers lower um, as far as his rushing attempts. It's not just Elijah Mitchell. They also want to get Debo a few touches every game as well. Um, And then when you talk about Samuel's ability after the catch, Dude, it's I, I've never seen anything like this. In 2019, eight and a half yards, that was second in the NFL. 2020, 12.2 yards after the catch on average. That's first. 2021, 10.2, that was first. And then last year, 8.9 first. So, I mean... I remember when this first started happening and people, oh, I got to regress that, got to regress that. Yeah. Well regress it to Debo. Like you can't regress it to any sort of league average. You got to regress it to Debo. So I don't think that's going away. And the thing I do like about Debo is he is the priority for the 49ers. So, you know, Ian, when you're practicing like Madden or you're, you're doing your NCAA stuff, like you basically you're reading, like, is it man coverage or zone coverage when you snap the ball? And like, you kind of know what your man and zone beaters are on the play. Well, that's the 49ers. Debo is the zone beater. He's going to play under the coverage. Um, he's going to get a lot of screens. Um, he's going to get see a lot of play action where they get him in a perfect spot between the linebacker and the safety, um, you know, there's just so much working in his favor and he's just, you know, they scheme up a lot for him as well. So it's hard to imagine like his target rate going down. It's just really a matter of, you know, the 49ers like to run the ball so much. It does limit the upside. Um, But I I do think he clearly should be the first wide receiver off the board, as much as I love Brandon Ayuk for the team, because the league plays zone coverage all the time. 70% of coverage in the NFL now is basically zone. Now, there are variations to it. Certain things turn into man on the backside of plays. It's not as simple as it's just zone or man, you know, in the league. But. All of that zone coverage is like really big for Debo because if you look at the splits over the last three years, he's the dude, man. Like, Ayuk doesn't get targeted against zone. Like When I say he doesn't, like, it's not near as good as what it looks like against man. But Ayuk is the guy they go to against man. So I do think Debo should be the first 49er off the board. I know I've said a lot of words here without necessarily answering your question, which is, is he worth it? Like, versus Calvin Ridley, versus Amari Cooper. And I think, yes, you have to be mixing him in, in that range. Just because those guys also have other different questions like Amari like as much as we love him we know he's probably not going to ever be more than a 21 percent target share guy like that's just kind of what he is and that's okay if Deshaun Watson's better and they throw the ball more then that can be a really good thing but I think Debo you get 23 percent 22 percent target share and you pick up the rushing attempts he has I think you can still make an argument you know for him in that range I definitely want exposure um I don't have as much as I want I think I felt I didn't necessarily feel as strongly about drafting debo until i just went through all my projection process again and i just kept coming across all this data where i'm like you know look he does have risk but there's also a lot of positives for him and i definitely need to get my exposure up in best ball
0: and that's almost been the annoying part like even as someone that is producing fantasy content like seeing everyone go through the 49ers and it's like you would think Dwayne, by all the on-off splits we have floating around that you know these guys aren't scoring 30 plus points per game when everyone's healthy like this is a loaded offense that should be able to score all kinds of fancy and real life points when everyone is healthy but again that volume factor just makes it really tough to go too far out on a limb for any individual player so with devo like i'm with you i don't want to completely fade the man either he's way too good to do that and I accordingly have not been doing that but I'll tell you man when I get into the third round of these drafts and I see a Brees Hall or a Derrick Henry going next to yeah. Debo I tend to think like okay where can I get you know what can I get in this round that I can't get in the next one and it is that running back yep. because as much as I am cool with you know I have Debo as my wide receiver 18 he's wide receiver 17 and ADP like yes I would draft Debo straight up over guys like Judy Drake London Mike Williams Terry McLaurin but you know. Get a chance to draft a guy like Brees Hall in round four, Dwayne. I do think you can argue those guys, like McLaurin, like, you know, Judy, I would say, arguably same tier as Debo, despite being around later.
1: Agree. And they could outperform Debo. That's also in their range. Here's the one thing I'll say with Debo 21.1 points per game in PPR in 2021. But if we look at his other seasons, just, you know, sometimes you just keep it simple fantasy points, period. 12.6, 11.5, 13.3. One of those numbers is different than the others. Right. I mean, really, he's probably a 12 and a half to 13 point guy um, going to give you some spike weeks. But he also gives you some valleys and it just kind of averages out over time. Now, could he just have another hyper efficient year like 2021? That's the upside that you are getting there that you probably don't have with some of those other names. Right. We we know that the efficiency spike for him can be so high that you're like, wow, I have like the wide receiver, too. in all of fantasy, I, I don't know that that's in the range of outcomes for some of those other. Um, wide receivers that we talked about but I do agree with you um, the running backs are so sweet right now in round three um, I, I can't believe honestly like some of these running backs that you're able to get in round three so that didn't even necessarily a knock on Debo it's just a knock on how far people are letting running backs like Brees Hall fall down the board and I think you're you're on point like where's the scarcity the scarcity is you can't find, you can't draft another Brees Hall right after round three like that's your last chance to draft a Brees Hall
0: Onto another incredibly talented player in this offense that we have to, of course, just start talking about volume with. That is Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you know, truly one of the best, I think, under 25 wide receivers out there. Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports, someone that we shout out a lot over here, just the work that he's done looking at Ayuk and reception perception. I mean, again, it tells you exactly what you see if you watch the guy play. Truly one of the best ones out there. And, you know, Matt was actually talking to none other than George Kittle and asked him about Brandon Ayuk and, like, could he be this 1,500 yard guy if he had those opportunities and Kittle just talking about how like Ayuk goes out of his way in practice to just cross up these dudes purely with his routes not even putting a finger on him but still just putting them down to the dirt like pretty much agree with everything Matt was saying so that was a fun conversation there but again Dwayne as much as I think Ayuk literally like you watch his highlights man and you see like a young Devontae Adams sort of player and I'm not using that comparison lightly I truly see that when you know we're watching this dude just twist up cornerbacks of all shapes and sizes out there But Fantasy Life projections, which are live over at FantasyLife.com, right now has i seen just 99 targets in 2023. If you want to take that in a per game average, then we're only looking at 5.8 targets per game and Dwayne. That's been a no-go historically in terms of looking at who can actually produce top 24 production on that few amount of targets. So I went back, last 10 years, I looked at the average targets per game from all the top 24 wide receivers per year, and the only guys with fewer targets per game that actually were able to pull off top 24 production 2018 Tyler Lockett, 2016 Tyree Kill, and 2017 Juju Smith-Schuster. So, not saying that I couldn't flirt with you know a super high efficiency season like that, but overall, man, 95% of those wide receivers average between six and 11.6 targets per game. I don't see Ayuk necessarily get in there. So, is he one injury away from absolutely booming? Yes, is he not even priced as a top 24 wide receiver, so we don't have to freak out too much about this. Also, yes, but I'd struggle, Dwayne, as much as I love the talent to see a true true boom case for Ayuk if everyone is going to stay healthy.
1: Yeah, that's a challenge just does everyone stay healthy. I think you you summarized him really well. He's a great player. Like uh, you know, one of the best wide receivers probably in the league. I don't think that that's, you know, Um, a stretch i think he just plays also in a scheme that we talked about a minute ago where the zone coverage looks are highly geared towards Debo samuel and we just we're in a league where you don't get a ton of man coverage it's about 30 percent now occasionally you will play teams um you know there's three or four in the league every year that tend to be more man heavy now if you happen to get a couple of those matchups Or you catch a team on a week where they decide, oh, we're going to go man covers because we don't want to give them the easy throws to Debo Samuel. The 49ers can dictate that to other teams. Other teams have to essentially decide, what's the thing we don't want to allow the 49ers to do? And then there's just too many other things. Like, you know, you can't plug all the holes. And so you do get games where you'll see teams that don't normally run a lot of man. They will use it because they're like, we're just not giving up the easy throws to Debo. We're going to make them beat us down the field. And then Brandon Ayuk is like, okay, deuces, see you. Like, I'm gone. And so it, there's room for big spike weeks still for Ayuk, But if we had a situation where he didn't have to compete with both Kittle plus Samuel, and then now, you know, you've got CMC. Um, the good news for Ayuk is like, no one really duplicates his role in the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he is the guy that, that beats the stuff on the outside. He gets down the field, he takes over against man coverage. So he's got a pretty consistent role overall. It's just you don't run into enough teams that run enough man coverage to like just really help him pop off as consistently as what we can see sometimes with Debo.
0: While we're talking about these wide receivers, I want to point you guys over to, and we'll start sharing this on our screen right now, are just brilliant, you know, best ball that we now have over there on fantasylife.com for free. If you guys like Dwayne and I and you're drafting all sorts of underdog teams throughout the summer, guys, all you have to do is go to underdog fantasy, go to your, you know, completed drafts, ask them to email you your exposure. It will be instantly sent to your inbox. Download that CSV, head on over to our best ball hub, upload it, and you cannot get better free information on the internet out there to help break down your lineups as you guys can see i have all my players on the left side looking at who i have the highest exposure to yes i know irresponsible jalen warren i'm out i'm working on it but some of the core yeah, the information price has been
1: great on that one yeah
0: price has been great and one of the things i feel good about Dwayne is you can actually look in these columns you can see my adp so i've gotten Jalen warren at pick 149 his current adp is w- pick 139 so that means i have done a good job because he's been moving up in adp throughout the summer similar sentiment as brandon i someone i've been able to draft at an average of pick 63 even though he is now going at pick 54 now on the other side of things i can see that i've been taking kendra miller a little bit ahead of adp so maybe i need to chill the hell out there but really Dwayne, like the possibility are limitless. I mean, I'm just looking at exposure and stuff, but when you actually click on Ayuk himself, all of a sudden I can see, you know, oh, okay, 33% of my Ayuk teams also have Brock Purdy. And oh, 33% of my Ayuk teams have a Jahan Dotson bring back in week 17. I mean, look, Dwayne, it is our company's tool and everything, but even talking to Mr. Hayden Winks himself over Underdog Fantasy, I did a stream with him last week. I mean, even he's blown away with it and he didn't, it's not like he, we're paying him to be blown away with it, Dwayne. Again, we p- pumped it out there. I, I couldn't be happier with everything, our design team and everyone has been able to do with this. And if there's someone out there that has a bad thing to say about it, like, please let us know. Cause five for one can't find anything with it.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. Like the analysis you can do for different combinations of teammates, uh, the structures, the builds, um, like I I put out a tweet this weekend um because I didn't know this. Like I knew that I had started with C D Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown multiple times because we love both of them and you get the bonus, the fact that they play in week 17, and let's say you're lucky enough to still be standing at that point and you're trying to win, you know, this shootout to win all the money. I didn't realize like I was just way too overweight, like on, you know, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, he's another component of that offense, but it made me stop and think, okay, this time I'm not taking Gibbs. I'm actually going to wait till round eight and I'm going to take David Montgomery and instead. Because like, you don't want, I don't want like 80% of my CD Lamb and Jameer or my CD Lamb, Monroe, St. Brown stacks to have you know, Jameer Gibbs, you know, I love Jameer Gibbs. I want him plenty, but I need to level that out some. So it just, it helps you kind of see what your blind spots are, um, helps you think about, okay, great, I've had this start this many times. How can I get a little more unique with it like this next time? So. I even use it like when I'm drafting. Once I get my start with my first three, two, three players, I just keep, you know, plugging them in and I start looking, okay, here are the common players I have in those builds. How could I do something different in this draft? And I think that's a really cool feature to have. Um, if you're if, you know, I know most of us draft on our phone, but it's it's so good that like I've been back in here drafting at my computer because I'm like, I actually want to have this tool up. So when I get one of these really cool starts, I can then differentiate the rest of my roster versus maybe decisions that I've made in the past
0: you guys have not been drafting on Underdog Fantasy this summer, always remember you can get a 100% deposit match bonus up to $100. All you got to do is use promo code LIFE, L-I-F-E. After all, we just live in that fancy life, Dwayne. Talk a little George Kittle, and then we will get out of here. Hey, we said before, the people think McCaffrey is Earth's RB1 if, if we're facing the aliens, I for george kittle is that guy as well at tight end if we just look at his i mean pff overall offense grade since he entered the league 13th first first third second and second i'm sure you guys can guess the only guy that's been a little bit better than him during that time so just everything he's done Dwayne. you know we can go through targets per out run yards per out run he has been so incredible as a receiver but in a small sample with everyone healthy last year Dwayne, the target share relative to the rest of these guys didn't look too great
1: yeah. If you look at just, and this is a really cool thing. Um, so we'll shout out true media our, uh one of our helpful data partners Ooh. along with PFF. So we've got that going super excited about it, but we can jump in and we can kind of look at all these different splits. And I just, you know, quickly ran. Okay. Let's take a look at when the 49ers actually had Samuel, Ayuk, CMC and Kittle all on the field together. So not just game splits where we got to go dig through. No, they're actually on the field together. Right. And most of these guys play 85, 90% of the snaps. Um, now we had some health issues across the board. So sample's not huge, but Debo Samuel, 23%. Brandon Ayuk, 22.5%. CMC, 21%. And George Kittle, 14%. Now, what I can say, another thing that I was able to quickly pull up while you were uh, talking about the best ball hub, um, if we look at these games, I can also exclude anyone. So I can say, well, what about these, these guys whenever so-and-so was not available? So when Debo was not available... You saw George Kittle spike to 26% target share. Mm. CMC spiked to 26%. And see, this is the other challenge for IUC, Even though he's consistent, he doesn't necessarily get a big bump when the other players go out because he's not getting all the zone targets. 21% for IUK. And then I can also flip that and I can just say since while we're doing it, okay, well, great. What about the games where Kittle was out? Well, in those games, Debo pops to 31%. And this is over the last two years, guys. Uh, And then Brandon Ayuk's at 19%. So again, kind of going back to the Debo Ayuk thing, you see some of these other guys get spikes, right? In their target shares whenever the other goes down. It hasn't necessarily been the case for Ayuk so far. Who knows? They could change and decide, no, we're going to give Ayuk more of those Debo Samuel looks. They could always decide that this year and change the way they run their offense. It could happen. Just over the last two to three years, that's not been the case. So yeah, with Kittle, I do... Love him. I'm with you. Like he's still, he's, he's, he's the second best tight end in the league behind Kelsey, but it's hard to grade him at that level. That has to be Andrews for me right now. Kittle really then falls into a tier of other guys where we know the talents there, but can the opportunity somehow, somehow find its way, you know, into his lap. And, and I'll be honest, Ian, last year, had he not scored the 11 touchdowns and I get it touchdown scoring is a skill, but that by far, that was a career high for him. Had he not scored those 11 touchdowns, like he would have been a major disappointment at ADP last year. And I don't think we can, ex- we can expect 10 to 11 touchdowns. So his target share to pay off his ADP right now has to come up. Um, again, still has outs. If Debo misses time for a little while, and we saw that last year, late in the year, when Debo missed time, Kittle erupted. Like he went nuts. Like he was scoring, you know, he was, I think, top three tight end three weeks in a row. So there, there's always going to be these ways that Kittle can get there. It's just, it's hard to, to find the consistency in it.
0: Kinda looking like Debo going into last season, man. Like Kittle needs to be, if not the best tight end in the league, you know, a top three contributor. And to his credit, he has been, because if he's not, man, he's not getting anywhere near enough opportunity for him to keep it up in fantasy land. I mean, he scored 55 PPR points above expectation last year. Taysom Hill is the only guy even freaking close to that. And we all know how skewed some of those Taysom numbers uh, were. So, hey, when you have a tight end capable of booming like this, I mean, that in and of itself is valuable. Only Kelsey and Andy. Andrews have more top six finishes than Kittle over the past two years, even with Kittle missing some actual game time during that stretch. But Dwayne, we both have him ranked as our tight end five, just really hard with guys like Hawkinson, Andrews, Kelsey, and I'd even argue Darren Waller to get Kittle above them when it could literally be maybe not quite double his targets, but pretty close. And again, just so hard for Kittle to make up that in raw talent when these other guys aren't exactly Jags in their own right. With that said, Dwayne, getting to the win total, 49ers are set at 10 and a half. They joined the Bengals, Bills, Eagles, and Chiefs as the top five teams entering the season in terms of Super Bowl odds, even though Brock freaking Purdy is expected to be their quarterback. So, hey, they got that defense as well. Nick Bosa and company, I mean, they have been elite, have ranked inside the league's top 10 scoring groups in three of the last four years, never dropping out of the top five defenses in yards per allowed. And accordingly, they've won 13, 10, 6, and 13 games since 2019. But 10 and a half, man, with a juice of minus 142 on the over. I'm going to take just a little bit under. I do think the first place schedule and without an overly proven QB room, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a slight step back. Cannot stress enough, though, how little confidence I have in this bet, Dwayne. Again, over 10 and a half when you got to lay as much juice as you have to. That's my hesitation. To me, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this team just wins 10 or 11 games and are once again a problem for any other team out there any given Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think with the juice, you got to look at the under. If I'm just going straight up, I would just pick the over, um, you know, and and think that they can get to the 11 wins just because Shanahan's shown us so many times how well he can do. And, and I mean, he can scheme up an offense whenever the quarterback situation is not working, right? Um, I would love to see Shanahan play with an absolute like stud at quarterback and see what would happen with this offense. And And who knows, maybe Purdy can turn into that guy. Um, but yeah, I I would take the over. But if I was, you know, picking, you know, and we're assuming that we gotta take the juice of the minus one forty or one forty five, whatever it was, I would definitely take the under
0: he said just one time, get that quarterback. I was just thinking of, you know, Obi-Wan yelling at Skywalker. You're the chosen one. It was supposed to be you, Trey Lance. <laughs> like they chose you. You had the dual threat rocket launcher for an arm so far, not so good, but we'll we see. We can't but-
1: completely ride off Trey Lance either. Oh, I think and- we just want it. We just want it to be a guy that's throwing the ball because of all the weapons. Like Trey Lance could come in and be great for Trey Lance you know, uh, fantasy managers, but it's not necessarily, it's not good for Debo. It's not good for Kittle. It's not good for IUK.
0: He's had 7, and 13 rush attempts in his four extended appearances. We didn't talk much, Trey Lance, guys, because we are trying to keep these a little bit quicker than some of these past years. Dwayne and I have really gotten into it, and it just does really seem like, even though maybe we wouldn't have Purdy out there, you know, if he's not 100%, I am expecting Purdy to be starting the heavy majority of games under center. So yeah, if Trey Lance gets out there, Dwayne, like he's going to be in the QB1 conversation the second he is doing it, unfortunately not looking like he's going to have that chance. But yeah, I'm not going to judge. A guy based off of four quarters in a bears game that was in such a bad monsoon they had to literally digitally impose yard lines on the broadcast because we couldn't (laughs) see anything and then he gets hurt freaking how many plays into week two so yeah with trey lance we haven't seen him be great but we also haven't seen enough of him to even have a you know definitive decision uh on just what he is period so hasn't played enough football Sucks, but it just is what it is. And with that, Dwayne, we've wrapped up another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. I invite all you guys to check out the entire series that we have on YouTube and also an article form over at FantasyLife.com. You can also subscribe to our always free newsletter. And we have a bunch of other cool shit on the website, like the Best Ball Hub rankings and so much more. Check it out, and we appreciate you. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.